Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I want to give a quick welcome to new listeners and followers. I'm really glad you're here, and I want to get to know you better. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please email me at lizatlizsumner.com or message me on Facebook or Instagram. If you have time for a five-question survey, I'd really appreciate your answers. You'll find it at lizsumner.com survey. Just let me know when you filled it out, and I'll send you a coupon code for a free copy of my online course, Eight Steps to Launch Your Dream Life. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. If you're really a fan, you can support the show at patreon.com slash alwayswanted. Thank you so much for listening. Here's the interview. My guest today is Ethan Waldman. Ethan is a tiny house author, speaker, and teacher. He built his own tiny house on wheels in 2012 and has been passionately helping future tiny house dwellers ever since. Welcome, Ethan. Thanks, Liz. It's great to be here. So how did you first become interested in tiny houses? Oh, how far back do you want me to go? I I guess a good place to start is uh, I was out of college for a few years, uh, working a couple of different kind of corporate jobs, getting getting my feet wet, kind of experiencing that that nine to five cubicle lifestyle. And I was not digging it. Um, so I had moved to Vermont um, and gotten a job with a smaller company, kind of hoping like, hey, maybe, maybe the big corporate culture isn't for me, but maybe, you know, if I move to a place that I love, it'll work out. But I still just found it, it actually got worse because I had moved to Vermont surrounded by wonderful mountains and skiing and mountain biking and all these these activities that I love to do finding that you know I was I was locked down to a desk uh for for much too much time and so I I decided to take a sabbatical um the company was really flexible so I took a month uh I took all my vacation time and then some unpaid time and I did a bicycle tour on the west coast of the United States with my cousin you know where you have the four panniers on your bike. You're carrying all your gear. Um, it's like the tiniest of tiny houses because you're you're carrying all your stuff with you. It's almost nomadic. And throughout that trip, we actually used a website called Couchsurfing and stayed in several tiny houses. Um, but when I got home from the trip, I really it kind of forced me to to take a restock of my life. The house that I was renting seemed so big and so overkill. And I just realized like, oh, I could, I could drastically reduce what I need for my housing. And that would really lower my budget to the point where, you know, I could leave this corporate job and not have to have a business or a side hustle that actually pays for my life as it exists now. And so... It's kind of a very like squiggly path to get there. Like, hey, I could just stop now and find a really cheap place to live, or I could build a, a what ended up being close to a forty thousand dollar tiny house and spend thirteen months building it. But 
you know, that's the that's the path that I ended up on. So is tiny housing a new phenomenon or has it been going on for a while? And and where in the world did it originate? Well, I mean, I think tiny houses are the original kind of houses. I would say that the large houses that we see in, you know, Western cultures now are the exception, not the rule. Um, for, for most of humanity, we've lived in fairly small spaces, you know, one, two rooms for a whole family. Um, and there have continued to be, you know, tiny houses and, and cultures who live in small houses throughout even American history. The modern tiny house movement, kind of as we think of it today, started in the, the early aughts, early 2000s, kind of credited to this guy, Jay Schaefer, um, who started a company called Tumbleweed Tiny Houses, but he basically, you know, the town that he was living in wouldn't let him build something as small as he wanted to. So he had the brilliant idea to just put it on a trailer instead. And then that would basically take it out of the jurisdiction of the the building department, the zoning people, and just, you know, it would just be this thing on a trailer. It, it happened to be a small house. And so that kind of sparked the modern tiny house movement. It, it all kind of flows from there. So who thrives in a tiny house? Are there characteristics of people for whom it's a perfect choice? I mean, I see people across socioeconomic, race, cultural backgrounds, kind of going tiny and thriving. It's, I think it's, it's a, the kind of thing that you just have to really want. Because, of course, there are trade-offs. There's no, you know, I will never try to tell you that living in a 200-square-foot house is going to have everything, it's going to offer everything that a 2,000-square-foot house can. But there are trade-offs, but it also offers you, like it offered me, the opportunity to drastically reduce what what you spend on housing and also the time that you spend maintaining your house. And so I didn't coin this term, but you know, I now have been running a podcast for three years called Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. And and that's what I see is the real benefit of tiny house living is is kind of the the tiny house lifestyle that it affords you. Tell me more about tiny house lifestyle, both the podcast and the lifestyle. Sure. I'll start with the the second half first. I mean it's different for different people, um, but again, for, for many people, a tiny house lifestyle might mean that instead of uh, both people having to work, you know, only one, one partner has to work. Or if you're a single person living in a tiny house, maybe instead of having to work full-time plus, maybe you don't have to work full-time plus. So it's, it's a lifestyle of more time, and it's also... I don't want to just focus on the like financial benefits because there are also benefits to the community. What I've heard from guests on my show and I experienced as well is just that because the house is so small, you end up actually relying and needing to rely on the people around you, your community. And I've just had wonderful conversations with people who have said, I never would have met my neighbors or I never would have formed this or that relationship if it wasn't for the fact that I had to do my laundry in somebody's, you know, somebody let me do their laun my laundry in their house. 
another famous tiny house person uh, is Dee Williams. She built an early tiny house based on Jay's designs. And I believe for the first several years, she had free parking in the backyard of, of a friend's house, an elderly friend who, who became ill and Dee was able to, to take care of her and form just a wonderful close relationship over those years. Um, all because she was living in her tiny house and, and needed a place to park it. And so that connected her with, with people. So are there families that live in tiny houses or is it mostly for uh, single or couples? Absolutely. Um, there are tons of tiny house families living in, you know, so tiny house can kind of encompass a few different things. It can be what most people think of now, which is like that little house that's built right on a trailer. But it can also be a, a house that's attached to the ground, you know, with a permanent foundation. And tiny house is kind of an umbrella that can still encompass, you know, a converted school bus. So uh, a school or schoolie is as they're known. Uh, and also vans. So van life. Uh, I know there are a lot of families who who have done converted school buses and are traveling full time. And then there are plenty of families in in tiny houses on wheels. Obviously, the tiny house is going to need to be a little bit bigger in order to uh, afford sleeping space for for children. Another fun example that I like to call out are Andrew and Gabriella Morrison. They went tiny uh, fairly early on, I think, in the like 2011, 2012 time timeline, and they had two teenage kids. And so rather than saying, hey, we're going to build a tiny house that's big enough for all four of us to sleep, knowing that teenagers you know, need their own space, need privacy, they actually, each teenager helped to build their own other small, kind of like a bedroom out on the property that was their room and their space. And then the tiny house had the kitchen and the living space where the family you know, could gather. And then just an earlier question you just had asked about, about the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast. It's a weekly show, and I feature conversations with people who are living in tiny houses, professional builders, DIY builders, also people just who are doing interesting things in the tiny house world. So I've, I've had many conversations with, with philanthropists, people who are using tiny houses to help give housing to homeless and lower income people. And it's a weekly show every Friday. It's been going for three years. And uh, there's a there's about 159 episodes currently on the feed that are just um, a wonderful kind of documentation of the movement. And, you know, as a recent guest said, if somebody has a question about tiny house living or building, like it's probably answered in your podcast somewhere. Oh, good. Well, we will make sure to put links to that in the show notes. So I know from your website that you have questions that you ask. Tell me that's to help people determine whether, they, whether they'd be suited. Is that, is that the purpose? It's just a quick series of questions just to help determine kind of what style of tiny house is right for somebody. Obviously, a five-question quiz isn't necessarily going to be the crystal ball, but it kind of asks you how mobile you want to be and how much space you think you might need 
and also just some questions about like toilets and plumbing and heating. And then it, it will say, you know, it will suggest, you know, a traditional tiny house, a school bus or a van might be right for you. And then people who fill out that quiz have the option to kind of sign up to receive a free five-day course that I offer via email. So just a series of five emails that just goes into a little bit more depth about about planning a tiny house. So is there a, a style that there more people fall into to one category than, than others when it comes to tiny house living? Yeah, I, I think the majority of people who are doing it are doing the house on a trailer. The, the reasons there is that so when we think about buying a house, a normal house, I'm going to say a quote unquote normal house, you buy both the house and the land that the house is attached to. And so that is part of why housing has become so expensive in certain cities and places. It's not so much that the houses themselves are worth more money, but it's the land that's worth more money. I'm here in Burlington, Vermont, very similar situation like in Boulder, Colorado. The city has gotten as big as it can get and everybody wants to live there. They can't expand out. And so the prices get more and more expensive. And so when you do a tiny house on a trailer, a movable tiny house, as they're kind of referred to in the tiny house industry, a movable tiny house is is kind of disconnecting the house from the land. And so it's allowing you to purchase the house without the land. And so you you save money there. And also because the house is is quite a bit smaller, it's less materials, less labor, and and it's less expensive for that for that reason. So how does one find a place to put a tiny house? An excellent question. And and that is one of the bigger challenges of tiny house living is is still is finding parking. Luckily things are going in the right direction in the sense that cities, states, municipalities across the country are starting to figure out ways to legalize tiny houses or to fit them in with existing regulations. Um, so, and, and oftentimes these regulations will be referred to as ADU regulations. So ADU stands for accessory dwelling unit. And so Cities are figuring out like, okay, we need more accessory dwelling units. We need more backyards to have cottages. How do we make tiny houses on wheels fit into our definition of an ADU? Then there, you know, a, a lot of people just do it through word of mouth. So posting on Craigslist or other local message boards, asking friends on Facebook. There are also tiny house communities. So places that are either being developed or they are... RV parks that are converted, or they're just RV parks that allow tiny houses. People are finding parking in, in all kinds of different different places, creative solutions. Unfortunately, most of the parking is probably not legal. But for the mo you know, the getting kicked out is more the exception than the rule. But that is a reality of of tiny house living is that it's likely that you'll be breaking some zoning rule, parking it in somebody's backyard. We'll have more from Ethan Waldman about tiny house living and the things you need to keep in mind as you're deciding after the break. What about moving them? Can you like just hitch it to a car or do you have to get a tractor? If you want to move, how do you do it? 
Yeah, so they're they're quite heavy. My tiny house is 22 feet long, which is now on the small side compared to what is being built today. And it weighs about 10,000 pounds. And so that is about as heavy as you can go with a heavy-duty pickup truck. And above 10,000 pounds in many states requires a commercial driver's license to tow something more than 10,000 pounds. So most people, unless, unless you're building a tiny house and planning to travel in it, most people choose not to buy a vehicle that can tow their tiny house. They instead decide to rent, uh, rent the vehicle when they need it or to hire a professional mover. A couple of kind of well-known in the tiny house world kind of sources for vehicles are a U-Haul. So a 14-foot U-Haul can tow 10,000 pounds. Uh, and then also Enterprise Rental Car has a truck rental program, and they rent Ford F-350s, which can tow tiny houses. I'm a big advocate for hiring a professional mover just because, you know, you've you've got your probably life savings on a trailer and towing something is a skilled, it, it, it requires some skill and then towing a 10,000 pound something that's, you know, 25 or 30 feet long is, is not easy and it, it requires some different skills. So I'm not saying that people can't do it, but if, if you only are doing it every few years, my, my advice is to just, you know, pay a little extra money, hire a company that's that's insured with an experienced driver that's going to get your tiny house safely from point A to point B. Good point. Speaking of money, uh, what kind of price range are, are we talking? Sure. So I'll start with mine. And so when I kind of set out on this uh, quest, I'll say in 2012, in 2012, I budgeted I, I I was like, okay, this is gonna cost about twenty to twenty five thousand dollars in materials, and I'm gonna do all the labor now for a number of reasons, the house ended up costing more like thirty five because I ended up hiring a good amount of labor to help me finish it because you know, building is incredibly hard and time consuming um, and i was I was a novice i needed I needed people to show me how to do it. It's a difficult question to answer, particularly right now, because the cost of building materials through the pandemic has exploded. Mm. Like in some cases, we're talking like four or five X wow. cost for a sheet of plywood or a wood stud. So it it would be difficult for me to even like tell to ballpark what the materials costs for tiny houses are right now because they're changing so much but i will try to ballpark it i would say that in materials right now you're probably looking at $40,000 in materials um there are some things there that there are some very expensive pieces so for example the trailer itself is going to cost probably between seven and $10,000, just, just that alone. Anyone who's ever done a renovation or a build knows that another really expensive thing is windows. So, you know, windows can be several thousand dollars right there. And then you've got all these other, other materials. If you're going to hire a company and, and, you know, hire a professional builder to build a tiny house, I would say that you're, you're looking in the, 
the upper five figures. So, you know, 60, 60 to a hundred thousand dollars. So they are about the same price as a house, except for the land. Yeah. In some, it, it, it's so interesting that you say that because that is true in many parts of the country. Yes. But of course, of in course. other parts of the country, like coastal cities. Yes. You know, sign me up. I, I'll, yeah, let me buy a house in Burlington, Vermont for $100,000. I, I, I wouldn't even look at it. I would just go buy it. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, but then, you know, you can go to Cincinnati and probably buy an awesome house for $100,000. Mm-hmm. So, and no... No hate to Cincinnati. It's a great city. Um, so, yes, it's true. You you could just buy a house somewhere else for that amount of money. And there are builders who you could buy a pre-made tiny house, or do most people build their own? Um, I would say that the movement started out as a very DIY thing with a real DIY spirit. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that not not everybody can build their own tiny house. Not everyone has the time to build it or the physical ability to build it. I think that anyone can learn the skills. But I tell people that it's a thousand to fifteen hundred hours of work to build a house. And you know, if you have a you know, if you are lucky enough to make a good salary it might actually be better, you know, it might be a better economic kind of calculus to let somebody else, to pay somebody else to build the tiny house and you continue to work your job getting paid more per hour than than you would have saved by building your own house. Um, you can get a house built a lot faster when you, when you hire a builder um, just because they're experienced and there's usually a team of people building the house rather than just you or just you and your partner. So if I had skills mm-hmm. and some resources of friends who who I could call in to help me, yeah. from idea to moving in, what kind of time frame are we talking? I see, I've seen all kinds of different time frames, but realistically a DIY build i would give yourself at least a year because when you when you take that 1000 hours and you divide it by a 10 hour day say mm. which mm. doing a 10 hour day of construction is really hard yeah but say take your 1000 hours and divide it by 10 that's 100 days of of building and you know then you do you have a job? Do you have responsibilities? Like when are you going to get those hundred ten hour days in over the course of that year? If you're just working weekends, mm-hmm. you know that's only that's about a hundred days. If you work both mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday oh, of every yeah. day of every week of the year, that's a hundred days. Yeah, so so about a year. I've seen people take years to finish their tiny houses. Mine took about thirteen months. And I've seen people build them in as fast as a couple of months. But that's that would be like usually people who either have some construction background or have friends or family who are contractors or work in construction and can dedicate, you know, full time to their project. And like, it's funny, like as a novice builder, when you're like, I'm going to do this full time, 
I just found myself scratching my head a lot. Whereas like a professional builder is like, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to, to the lumber yard and I'm going to get all my framing lumber and sheathing and fasteners and glue. And like, they know what to get, they get it. And then they like know how to get the project started and going. So what are the most important things to think about when you're considering this kind of project? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. The most important things to think about, I would think about what your why is. Like, why are you doing this? Because it will help you inform the design of your tiny house. So like, why do you want to do this and what is important to you? Is cooking important to you? Okay, so you're going to prioritize having a really great kitchen, a compact but really usable kitchen. Or, you know, maybe you want to live closer to the land. So you're thinking about how your tiny house is going to interface with the with the site that it's placed on, where windows are placed, um, how you're going to fit in off-grid, you know, batteries and solar panels and those kinds of things. And so I think your why is a great place to start. It's also going to help carry you through the project because especially if you're DIY building it, it is a it's a big, big undertaking. And there are going to be times where you question, you know, why did I ever do this in the first place? That's what I'm doing right now. I got a puppy two weeks ago. I'm like, why would anyone ever do this? But <laughs> I know that in like a couple of months when I have like a great dog, it's going to be awesome. And so it's the same kind of thing with, with a tiny house. And um, where does one find plans for tiny houses? Yeah. So there are plans all over the internet. I sell the plans for my tiny house uh, that I built at my website, thetinyhouse.net. Um, there's also a great website, uh, tinyhouseplans.com, run by some friends of mine, and they have kind of a selection of of vetted plans. Um, so they're all houses that are either you know drawn by reputable designers or and or have been built before. And so there there's like they're kind of proven plans, um, and they have a whole whole selection there. Another one that I really like, I'll I'll give you two more that I like. There's a, a company called Den Outdoors, and they do some really cool um, – they, they're more about tiny houses on foundation, um, really cool, like, minimalist, modern designs and, and a lot of A-frames. And then there's one other one called Pinup Houses, and they do um, – it's a, run by an architect who's Romanian, and he's just prolific. Like, there are hundreds of, of tiny house designs there. And these are all digital plan sets that you can that you can buy. So we've mentioned your website and your podcast. Are there any other resources that somebody should check out as if they're just contemplating this idea? Sure. So um, just two other things to mention. I have a, a guide, which is a book and workbook uh, and videos that I put together um, called Tiny House Decisions, and that will really help walk you through figuring out your why and going far beyond that to should you build it yourself or with help, you know, what kind of tiny house is right for you? How are you going to heat it? Do you want to do off-grid plumbing or on-grid? It's basically all works you through all these systems and gives you an education so that you could really take what you figure out and either 
design your tiny house or kind of go to a builder and know exactly what you need and want. And so that's at, at thetinyhouse.net. I also run an online community called Tiny House Engage. And that is basically a group of about 100 people in kind of a private online space that's kind of, it's not on Facebook. It's not a Facebook group. And it's just a group of people, you know, tiny house hopefuls, DIYers, dwellers, you know, sharing resources, learning from one, one another, you know, celebrating our successes. And so it's really just about getting inspired, being supported, and, you know, just being accepted as a, as a tiny house person. And so that's something that I, I kind of open the doors to register for that about once every six weeks. And um, if people go if people go to my website and and do that quiz and get on my email list, um, they'll um, you know they'll hear about it. I can also send you the link. I have kind of like a waiting, uh, like a registration form, so people can get on the wait list for that. That'll be great. I'll put anything you want to share into the show notes. Cool. Anything you'd like to say in closing? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to to come and talk about tiny houses, and I just want to say that even if you never want to live in a tiny house if you never you never want to do it i still think there are some things to learn from the tiny house movement some things to come and get inspired by and maybe that could help you change your own life in in one way or another be it thinking about how you can creatively reduce your expenses or how you could live with less get rid of some stuff think about ways of helping other people. There are, there's a lot here in the tiny house movement. So come check it out and be inspired. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My thanks to Ethan Waldman. You can find out more about him in the show notes. I invite everyone to write and tell me what you've always wanted to try. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold. And thanks for listening.